We welcome you into another episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, president of Motor Minds and host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. EV mania has hit the industry in spades. The shock of electrification proliferation has the industry on the cusp of big changes that will affect all ends of the supply chain. But now the conversation is occurring against a backdrop that's very different than what we discussed even in January. Macroeconomic shocks are many. The war in Ukraine, inflation, material prices, and a changing consumer sentiment have automotive suppliers concerned about the trajectory for heavy investments in battery electric vehicles. Isaac Chan, partner at the automotive practice at Roland Berger, is watching all of these changes closely, and on July 12th, presented his view to the OESA Advanced Technology Council. On this week's episode, he talks about policy changes, industry direction, technology development, and all of the changes occurring in the space as it relates to raw material impacts on BEVs and beyond. It's Roland Berger on this week's episode of OESA's Automotive Insiders. Well, Isaac, it is wonderful to have you on the program. Thank you for joining me. Thanks. It's good to be here. Well, and here is involved with OESA on July 12th. Uh, you, uh, Roland Berger, is involved with the Advanced Technology Council. Tell me a little bit about that first. Tell me the involvement and, and what you're doing with OESA. Absolutely. So I'm actually in town from Chicago uh, here for the OESA Advanced Technology Council. Uh, my colleague, Stefan Keese, and I will be presenting on a broad range of topics, but all related to what do they all mean for EV adoption. In particular, we're going to talk about what's happened with the rise of EV mania, uh, how some of the latest macroeconomic shocks are impacting the industry and what they mean longer term from a policy and industry investment perspective. And then finally, we'll talk about how technology developments are going to ultimately uh, pave the way so to speak, in the future for EV adoption or not. So let's get into some of these. Uh, you, you hit on a, on a pretty attractive phrase there, EV mania. I've not heard that yet. Um, and certainly on this program, we have talked a ton about EVs. We could even venture to say that we've, um, we've fueled some of the EV mania, uh, if you will, <laughs> from the conversations. But uh, let's, let's talk about what's coming. Um, because indeed, when you look over the horizon, we, we are uh, looking at a sea of EVs. Uh, tell me your perspective on that. Yeah, I, it's, I don't know if we're the first to use the term, but it certainly applies to what we've seen develop over the last, let's say, two and a half years. Uh, starting with the rise of Tesla during 2020, we actually saw Tesla's market cap exceed that of Volkswagen, Toyota, Daimler, GM, and Ford all combined. And when you look a little bit deeper, you realize it's not just a Tesla unique phenomenon. The market was rewarding anything that had a pure play EV shine to it. And we saw that partly with the, the SPACs that came online and the valuations that they were receiving in the public markets. We also saw a lot of investor and, and capital market pressure on the established automakers and rightfully so, and they, they responded by rolling out very grand EV ambitions, new investment strategies, very aggressive timelines for, for new model launches. And all of this has been great for the, the EV industry, great for the future prospects, technology development, what it means for sustainability on our planet. Uh, however, sometimes the hype gets a little bit ahead of the reality in some cases. 
And when we look at some of the forecasts that the industry has had, we see that everyone's expectations have only been accelerating. We've never taken a bit of a step back. And yet, what we've seen from the stock price development over the last eight months is that EV stocks have been especially punished. Obviously, they are a little more volatile than established automotive stocks and the S&P 500. But at the same time, it's endemic of a few other perhaps warning signs that we should be aware of as we get into, uh, let's say, the mid and later part of the decade where we're expecting a widespread adoption of EVs beyond just the early adopters, but really, really getting to mainstream consumers. And at the same time now, over the course of the last eight months, there have been a slew of world macroeconomic shocks, war, inflation, material prices, and consumers um, who you know may may now be somewhat resilient um, or 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 not as uh, resilient to some of the uh, purchasing habits that would have occurred in the past. Tell me where we are now: macroeconomic shocks versus ex- an expansion on battery electric vehicles. Yeah, first I'll just outline some of those shocks, and and those aren't necessarily EV specific, but we'll talk about some of the longer term implications as well. So first. When you look at manufacturing producer price indices, uh, we're we're at an unprecedented rise when you look back over the last two decades. Um, When you look at the consumer sentiment, the drop that we've seen in the last six or eight months in the US is on par with that during the Great Recession. And if you look at the impact in Germany or China, it's actually far greater. The Great Recession didn't have much of a dent at all in those markets. But what we're seeing is that consumer sentiment is falling off a cliff in those economies since the start of 2022. Now, all of this has some very near-term impacts. It, it of course, lowers the trajectory of overall vehicle production volumes that the industry is expecting. Everyone's expecting to have to do some belt tightening to accommodate this going forward. Um, But it also has a longer-term impact. Uh, The first of which is that companies are going to have less capital to invest. Suddenly, their priorities of investing for five or 10 years down the road in a grand EV strategy will have to make some compromises as they consider how to get through the near-term pains. Um, the, second, the second thing I kind of want to talk about here is that uh, I'd be remiss to talk about increases in prices without getting into battery materials, but maybe let's save that for another, another uh, part of this talk because that's a much deeper topic. The Russia-Ukraine crisis is another shock that the industry has felt. And there are some near-term impacts. Obviously, there's shortages, there's supply chains that are intertwined, there's sanctions happening. But there's also a much longer-term outlook for what this does to EVs specifically. In the US, it's really refocused the discussion on supply chain security. It's hard from the, from the, from the lens of the US policymakers to separate the Russia-Ukraine crisis from the growing situation uh, that's intensifying between the US and China as economic rivals. And particularly as we think about how intertwined our supply chain is with China already, the EV supply chain is even more intertwined. We rely on rare earths that are refined in China. We rely on, in the future, we'll rely on technology in particular, uh, battery technologies from uh, from China, uh, battery materials as well. And so, it raises a bunch of questions about how do we strategically develop our resources within the US, but also with allies. And in Europe, the conversation is a little bit different, but they're wondering about energy independence. Uh, Europe is accelerating their push for renewables. That's going to need accompanying battery energy storage systems. 
It's going to need, uh, it's going to lead to a rapid grid decarbonization. And therefore, the environmental benefits of EVs versus combustion engines will be much greater, much faster. So what should suppliers be considering as they look at the roadmap of where things are today? I think one of the big takeaways is that we do think that EVs are the future. And so all of the efforts that suppliers have been doing so far to build out their EV strategies, to invest in those spaces, to reduce their ice exposure are going to be beneficial. They will pay off eventually. The question is how fast will it really come? And I think based on the capital market responses over the past couple of years, we've seen that some have been a little quick to uh, give up on their ICE assets. I think the, the terminal values that investors are giving to those might be a little bit too predicated on an aggressive EV ex- expansion. Um, the other big element, which we haven't yet touched on, is that the economics of EVs are still quite challenging. Mm-hmm. The rush on battery materials has raised battery prices. We actually haven't seen battery prices continue to decline in the last couple of years. They've gone up. Uh, there's still a, a very real risk of certain materials, in particular lithium and nickel, running shortages in, uh, in the later part of this decade. And so reaching some kind of cost parity for a consumer between buying an EV and a combustion engine vehicle is going to rely on someone in the value chain paying extra. It's going to rely on subsidies, which are not really tenable at large scale. It's going to rely on the OEMs sacrificing on some margins. It's going to rely on the suppliers being under pressure. And economies of scale, getting cost out, and uh, developing new battery technologies are all going to be really critical, increasingly important, especially if the regulatory regimes that, that are getting proposed actually go into play. And the industry is forced to reach some very aggressive EV targets. So we do see announcements out of a few automakers that hybrid and some some kind of reliance on internal combustion engines now are, are being reevaluated. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Toyota had recently said going all in on on its hybrid production. Will we see some moderation in from EV mania to more of a pragmatism? I believe that the industry will have to. Some of the players that have done that are were some of the later ones to go all in on EVs. Yeah. I think uh, there's two sides to the argument. So some people will say hybrids are, are transitional technology. Let's just skip them and go straight to EVs uh, and go straight to BEVs. The challenge with that is, of course, the economics. And the reality is, although you have a lot of extra powertrain content in a plug-in hybrid, you still get the vast majority of your miles being electric on your daily drive without needing so much battery. So if you really look at the cost benefit analysis of environmental benefit to incremental cost, they're not that bad, especially in the, in the midterm. And there's a lot fewer hurdles to consumer adoption. It's a fascinating subject. I know we'll, you, you will be watching it very uh, closely, Isaac, and uh, your, your own talk uh, at the Advanced Technology Council at, at OESA with Roland Berger. Incredibly helpful. Thanks for putting this in context for us. There's a lot of EV noise out there and a lot of EV mania, as you said. Absolutely. Pleased to be here. Thanks. Great. Thank you, Isaac. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to Isaac Chan, partner at the Automotive Practice of Roland Berger. Thanks for listening to OESA's Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.